Caleb has our special this morning. Surrender now. 
soften up this hardened clay to be a servant this I pray thank you Caleb and uh, happy birthday to him uh, today, 15 years ago, God gave us uh, that young fella. It doesn't seem like those 15 years have flown by this fast. I'll never forget uh, going back there with Karen, and they wrapped him up, and I got to tote him out of the OR uh, because of the C-section, and I towed him into the nursery part, and there was the glass. And everybody, of course, we didn't know, and neither did anybody else, what we were having. And, of course, at that time, I'm in the nursery holding the baby, and it's basically, especially to me, soundproof glass, because, you know. And uh, Nana, Karen's mom, standing out there saying, I'm like. (laughs) And then I finally read the lips, you know. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a boy. It's a boy, about time, as the mouth I got back, you know. <laughs> and uh, so they all wanted to know. Nobody uh, knew. It was a lot of fun uh, not knowing. Uh, he, we were praying, the, like some couples, we had some, some difficulties, and God, God helped us through them. And uh, so uh, many times uh, uh, some couples aren't... Uh, as blessed or fortunate, and they're blessed in other ways, and uh, certainly thank God whether kids are are uh, by natural birth or adoption or ever what they are a blessing. Uh, they're a joy to invest your lives in somebody else, to invest and mentor and disciple and train. And uh, that's our job, to do that. Lives can be changed by what you teach and what you share with others. And that's what happened in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Before we read God's Word, let me say a few words of thanks. And that is, I want to thank the church for everybody that was had a hand and a part and literally had a hand in cooking the wonderful Thanksgiving fellowship that we had last Sunday. It was a great fellowship. Uh, Not one of our biggest Thanksgiving crowds. A lot of people out, different reasons, sickness, health, traveling. But it was a great fellowship. A lot of people stayed. Probably 90-something percent of the uh, worship crowd stayed. So uh, thankful for that. Also, uh, again, I want to thank the church for the the pounding last uh, Wednesday night. It's just it's always a testimony how a church takes care of, of the pastor and his family, and and now uh, pastors and family, and uh, uh, brother Trey and Miss Laura, along with uh, I know he and Miss Laura also extend their thanks and appreciation. Uh, for this, you know, back-to-back benefits, uh, pastor appreciation was in October, uh, the food, 
And that's been an ongoing thing. I, I remember finding out that Promised Land has done this for many years for the pastor. And that's a testimony when you consider God's man important. And it really doesn't matter if it's Michael Reese or somebody or, or the previous pastor or the next pastor is that you value God's man, uphold him, lift him up in prayer. Uh, because I know I need it. I know every other preacher and pastor uh, appreciates it and thanks you for that. And so that's the testimony of a church having their heart and mind right uh, with the Lord because it's not about us specifically, but about Jesus. Okay, so let's begin reading. I want to like to invite everybody to stand up for the reading of God's Word. Hopefully you brought your Bible, whether it be a paper one or an electronic one, or we have one in the pew for you. If you don't have one, just pick that up. But listen or read along with me, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word this morning. Dear Lord, please bless our church in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I like uh, how many of you have gotten uh, hooked or just simply watching a show called Duck Dynasty. Lift up your hand. Oh yeah, a big fan of. Duck. Matter of fact, Caleb ran across a uh, uh, a Psy cup at Bass Pro Shop. Just looks like his tea glass, and uh, so he. Had to get him one, and uh, uh, Silas, and everybody calls him Si, Uncle Si. I love uh, Phil's prayers at the end of the show. They kind of sum up the show, and they're short, sweet, and to the point. And uh, so that's nothing wrong with short popcorn prayers. matter of fact, many of you have shared with me that you pray throughout the day, that you talk to the Lord. You may say it while you're driving you may say it when something happens at work or something's going on. You just say those short little, uh, I remember used to calling them bullet prayers. Just boom, you know, say, a, Lord, I appreciate you. Uh, Lord, thank you for helping me. And uh, whatever what it may, your prayer may be, you're, you're talking to him. And that's it. You know, and then I heard later, it's not original with me, but I shared it and everybody liked it. And that's a popcorn prayer, just, you know. Pow, and uh, you talk to the Lord, and you talk talking through him throughout the day. That's an attitude of prayer, praying without ceasing. The fellow who wrote that, pray without ceasing, is the Apostle Paul. He wrote that over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and here he's writing this letter, and he's talking about himself. And this fellow was a, uh, I don't know how much I've heard is true, but uh, they were telling me the testimony one time, or I was reading it, about Phil Robertson was used to be an outlaw hunter and uh, ran from the law and different things. Then he got saved and and uh, just was uh, all over Felsenthal area and hunting and different things. And then he had a um, you know a change in his life, and that change is brought about, of course, by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
nevertheless, you know, we have the same thing happen here. Paul was, he was not on the run from the law, he was the law. But he was on the run from the Lord. The Lord was working on him. He didn't really exactly know what was working on him. But matter of fact, this morning the Lord may be working on you. The Lord may be bothering you about something. If he's bothering you, if you feel that, feel that tinge in your heart, feel that little twinge in your stomach, it may not be that you're hungry because you're so full of turkey, okay? But uh, it may be that God is speaking to your heart. It may be that, listen, God doesn't bother you for no reason. There's only two reasons God does bother you. He wants you to do something, or He wants you to stop doing something. Period. That's it. That's it. There's no other reasons God bothers you. He wants you to do something, or He wants you to stop doing something. Okay, we call that conviction. And you can call it, you know, there's I'm sure other words, conviction, God's messing with me, God's bothering me, God's pestering, and hey, thank the Lord He's only pestering, because He can really get to hammering, okay? God can do that too. And matter of fact, He did in Paul's life, and as you look at this passage here, just real, <clears throat> real quick, I'm like a lot of you, uh, sinus, allergies, whew, it's been all week, but we'll get through it. Uh, flip back to the book of Acts, just a few pages, Acts chapter 7, and then also Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at what Paul did before he got saved, and uh, seeing what he did. Now, his name was called Saul. Then, Acts chapter 13 is where his name was changed. It's kind of like Simon and the uh, Lord called him Simon. Then later on, he was known by Peter. He said, uh, he said, Peter, on this rock, referring to himself, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whenever he was saved, that's what he called him, or when he was walking with him. But Acts chapter 7 and verse 58, we find, of course, them killing this man by the name of Stephen. And it says in Acts 7:58. And they cast Stephen, it says him, but that's who the him is, out of the city, stoned him with stones, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That's the same guy who wrote Timothy, who wrote Romans and most of the New Testament and all those other letters. Then if you flip over just a couple of pages to Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Now, that's what he did. Now, just head on back over to Philippians 3 and 1 Timothy 1 again. And so, Philippians chapter 3, and then back to our text, okay? So I'm going to read Philippians. This is what he said he was. Now what he did, now what he said he was, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. We're setting all this up. Now, Philippians 3 verse 4, it says, Though I might have confidence in the flesh. In other words, hey, I once, man, I was a doctor, lawyer, uh, had an engineer, archaeology degree. Man, I had it all. Listen to what he says about himself. 
He said, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, if any of y'all think y'all are a big shot, well, I was a double big shot. Because I was circumcised of the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, not only a Hebrew, but I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was, I had more of it memorized than anybody else. I knew the law, Moses' law backwards and forwards. And then it says, as touching the law, then I made the elite class. I was a Pharisee, okay? Concerning zeal means I worked my way to the top of the hierarchy. How did I do it? By persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, means I was blameless. And then if you flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, he's talking about what he did before he was saved. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. In other words, he just didn't decide, like me, I didn't decide to be a preacher. God called me to be a preacher. I remember whenever Trey was going through his struggle about, God's bothered me, Brother Michael, what was it like when you were trying to figure out if God was calling you to preach? And I shared with him my story, and he said, okay, I'm really trying to figure out, is God calling me to do this? He wanted to be sure. And guess what? The same way with Paul or Saul whenever he got saved. You know, there's very, I've seen it a few times. People will get saved and called to preach almost, it's not the same thing, but it's almost really close together. And Saul, Paul, was that away. His salvation experience and his call to preach were right there together at about the same time. So it was like, God, whatever. I mean, right after he gets saved, so he gets saved, and boom, he says, okay, God. And you can read the story in Acts chapter 9 when he got saved. And he said, what did he say to God? He said, Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do? That's what he said. What do you want me to do? And here he says, I was before a blasphemer and a persecutor. I was injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. In unbelief, all these things he had, but he didn't. He wasn't saved. And it's, and then finally, it says, you know, in the outline we we typed up for you. Consider what he became. Philippians chapter three, verse seven. Look at it real quick. <clears throat> After he listed all those things that he used to be, he swaps in Philippians three. He said, but what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things. In other words, I I gave all my degrees up. I burned everything I owned. I gave it all up. He didn't, literally, you know, whether he burned it or not, it doesn't say, but he gave it all up. That's what he did. He gave it, he walked away from his job. He walked away from what he had. He gave it up for Christ. Now, you say, well, I don't, does God call everybody to do that? No. He doesn't call every, but He does call you to leave your old way of life. He does call you when you get saved to stop talking like you used to talk. When you get saved to start living a different life. And He says, I, I, 
I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, trash, heap, rubbish, that I may win Christ. And my goal in life is to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And my goal in life, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. You know, we see Saul's total life change. You know, and it says here in our text, as I just laid this story out for you this morning, is that Saul's life was changed. And if you read the story in Acts chapter 13, whenever he was sent out by the church at Antioch, his name is listed as Saul, then Saul, then all of a sudden it changes to Paul. And I think, you know, when Dr. Luke was writing out the book of Acts, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he says, now you're going to do what I've called you to do. And basically, think about this, you know, what does, and there's nothing wrong with, this is a great question to ask yourself. Whether you're today, if you're 19, 29, 49, 89, or 99, whatever your age, what does God want you to do with the rest of your life? It's what does He want, not what does what do you want, not what does your spouse want you to do, but what does God want you to do with the rest of your life? He wants you to live for Him. Did you know you can still be a doctor, lawyer, uh, a ranch hand, farm hand, John Deere mechanic, uh, run a farm? You can still, the Bible says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So did you know you can literally change your life by saying, God, you know, I, I don't know how I've got to where I was. Or you may say, God, I know exactly how I am what I am today. And I got here by making a lot of mistakes in my life. I've gotten to this place in my life because of whatever decisions I made. A lot of people want to say, you know what, if it wasn't if my dad, my mom, my sister, my brother, I had a sorry boss, this is it. A lot of people want to blame where they're at in life on others and never own up to it. Did you know a lot of it comes back on us in the decisions we make? Ultimately, it's our decision. It's all, all, you say always you have a decision. I don't, I didn't have a choice. We always have a choice. It all comes down to us. And you, you know, people get to heaven and say, I didn't have a choice whether to go to heaven or hell. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody has a decision. And did you know that Saul could have told God no? He could have told Jesus no. Whenever he said, I am the chiefest of sinners. I think that he he literally believed that. Now, let's talk about that just a second, talking about where you are today and looking at the way Paul described himself as the chief of sinners and looking at what he, what he did before he was saved and looking at what he said he was. Folks, before anybody can get saved, they must admit they're a sinner. Before you can change your life, you must admit there's a problem. Before anything can happen, 
you've got to say to yourself, this is where I am. What, God, do you want me to do? God, I, I am a sinner. God, I, I have messed up. God, I, 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 need to, I need to make some changes. Folks, if you want change in your life, it will not happen until you say there need, needs to be some changes take place. I've talked with different ones, and of course, isn't this an appropriate time to talk about this subject about losing weight? <laughs> it's something that we all struggle with in a sedentary uh, society. Now, some of us are, man, if we go up five pounds, man, it's a, the end of the world. You know, some of us, whoo, I'm going to just wait until I get about 40 pounds overweight, then I'll do something. You know, okay. <laughs> Now, I'll do something about it then, you know. So, But guess what? And whether you're talking about something, and especially if it affects your health, that could be very important. But it, it, what does it say? I need to make a change. And a lot of people need to make a change. Just I need to make a change in what I think about food. Well, did you know the same thought processes goes into your spiritual life? I need to make a change. And maybe I need to make a change in the way I think. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, you know, think about that little passage there, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many of you know that little passage. Be transformed, change, change. And Paul was changed. He said, okay, God... Folks, when he was saved, I've seen people get saved, but then they'll kind of be wishy-washy and straddle the fence. Did you know that's possible? I think they're, they live in turmoil all the time. I think if you're saved and you're trying to straddle the fence, if you're saved this morning, you know Jesus as your Savior, but you're not living for Him, you're probably the most miserable person in Ashley County. If you're saved and not living for Jesus, that will make you miserable. God will make you miserable if you're saved. If you're not saved and you're comfortable the way you are, I pray that God would convict you. If you say you're saved and you're not convicted about a life change, you're probably not saved. Does that make sense? If, you're not, if you say you're saved, I want to word it correctly so make sure I don't say it, in a way that's confusing. If you say that you're saved and you're not convicted by your lifestyle, it may be contrary to God's Word. Well, nobody should judge me. Nobody's judging you. We're just... Bible is what it is. It says what it says. It says sin is wrong. That's it. You just, there's no need to... You don't even have to point fingers. God just says... That's, that's wrong. And if we can live wrongly and not be guilty before God, then we're probably not saved. And so think about, you know, our sinful lives. Now, let me go ahead and say this. 
Uh, I get tickled sometimes and I talk to people who may be not living right. And uh, and then, you know, and I'm and I'm in their presence of their conversation. And they always say, especially around they know you're a preacher. They say, well, preacher, I know I'm not I'm not living right, but don't be judging me. Well, is that is that judging when they automatically assume that I'm judging or they judging me thinking that I'm judging them? <laughs> I get tickled. Now, I don't. I don't, I'm way past that. No need to, you know, just... And I'm just standing there. What do I do? I just... You just stand there. You're a preacher. Oh, man, you're judging me. No, 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 where is that at? Where's the rule book that says that's going on? You know what it is? Is that just because I'm so-called preacher that they come under conviction. And just the... The thought of the Word of God is convicting all by itself. And it could be any preacher. It could be a Hispanic preacher, a Catholic preacher, anybody who just says, oh, well, it's just the fact that you think about God, the fact that you think about God has a Word, the fact that you think about, is my life living up to that? And so, is it is it reflected in that? So, Paul got saved and his life was totally changed. And he was. It's kind of a neat word. Uh, the word chiefest means primary, number one. Um, here's a little Spanish. Numero uno. The number one sinner. That's what he called himself. Number one sinner of all things. Well... When you get saved, you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is described as whenever you get saved, the sinner's forgiver, the sinner's friend, the sinner's fountain, the sinner's future, and the sinner's foundation. Folks, He is what it's all about. It's not about trying to please each other. It's not about trying to please your spouse. Don't come to church. I mean, sure... How many spouses have come to church because of a spouse that said, please, 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 please. But did you know the Apostle Peter wrote about that? Because he had a spouse. And he said, wives, don't, don't try to pester your husbands to death to try to get them to come to church. And don't try to attract them with... Uh, and he talks about the plaiting of gold and hair and adornments. In other words, don't try to out, he said, but live, a, this Apostle Peter, live a consistent Christian life. If you're married to a spouse that's either lost or backslidden. Because if they say, well, you're a Christian, but man, you come home and you run down and trash everybody. You're just constantly negative. But when I see you at church, you're a little bit different. So, if that's a Christian, I don't know if I really want to do that. You know how many times I've heard that? I mean, I go out into... Uh, it's been everywhere. Everywhere I've pastored. Every church I've pastored. You, it doesn't take long being out in the community and you invite somebody to come to church. It's happened to every church, including Promised Land. Well, yeah, uh, I, 
I don't know about going to promised land because I know so-and-so that goes there. And I know what they did last weekend. And that, I just don't think I want to go because of them. You know, but that, all that is an excuse. They can find You can find an excuse anywhere, okay? I mean, it doesn't matter. I said, you know what? I said, sure. We Every church, and I tell them, every church I pastored in every church in the world has hypocrites in it. Every one of them. All of them. So don't let somebody keep you. If they're, keep, if they're between you and God, that means actually, doesn't that mean they're closer? That's kind of geometry there, isn't it? If somebody's between you and God, that means they're actually closer. So don't let somebody keep you from serving the Lord. Look to Christ this morning and say, you know what? I don't need to look at people. I don't need to get hung up on people's uh, uh, pettiness. I don't need to get let people's attitudes or people's negative uh, spirit. Did you know there's some people? Have you ever... Uh, this is a real... A simple gauge. Now, when you walk into a room, does it brighten the room? <laughs> Do people say, man, I am glad they showed up? You know, and a lot of it, where does that come from? Where does that come from? A lot of it comes from the spirit, the, the attitude you portray. Are you an encourager to others or a discourager? You know, you don't even have to, you don't have, I'm not talking about the life of the party. Oh, they're a lot of fun. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people see you, man, they, they know they're going to get an encouraging word. They know they're going to get a positive response. Because who lives in your heart? And are you letting him shine through? Once Paul got saved, man, he was that away. Everywhere he went, did he make mistakes? I think he made a lot of them. I think him and Barnabas splitting up. I think some of it was, I know it was John Mark's fault, but, you know, Paul, did he have to be the way he was? Barnabas took him. And guess what? They all, matter of fact, later on, he said, and when it, the very last chapter Paul wrote, he said, bring John Mark. Hey, John Mark, he's profitable for me. All right, that Christ wants you to have a family, a flock, and a fellowship. And by that, by that, there's three things. Number one, listen to me very closely. Y'all are doing great. I'm bragging on you. Y'all are doing great. Listen up. When you get saved, that means you're in the family of God. When you get saved, you need to follow the Lord in baptism. That's not a part of getting to heaven. That's just being obedient. And part of the flock is what? A local Local church. That's what you need to plug in. A lot of people say, but I just don't get it. Say, I just don't get anything out of church. If you don't put anything into it, if you don't plug in, if you don't get involved, it's impossible. That's like kind of like saying, I want McDonald's to be a blessing to me. Where are you going to go out to eat? My Burger King. You know, well, if you want a blessing from McDonald's, you actually have to go and participate at the restaurant, okay? Huh. You know, and, and, and guess what? You put a little money in, guess what? You get a little burger out, okay? A little burger, all right? And uh, so guess what? Same way at church spiritually. i got to come 
and you say, I gotta contribute. You say, I gotta give, well, money is just a worship with the Lord, sure. But some folks won't even, they'll say, I won't even give of my time. You actually have to invest. You actually have to put time, effort. You know, whether we're talking spiritually or physically, it works the same way. Because if you do these things, finally, I need to check my heart. Number, the last thing is Christ wants you to have a what? A fellowship, which means this. How's your heart this morning? Because did you know you can be saved, a member of this church, and not have fellowship? Wait, I thought that was automatically included in the package deal. No, you actually have to invest in fellowship. The Bible says a man that desireth first, friends, must first show himself to be friendly. So to have fellowship, you have to make the first step. In other words, you have to invest in other people's lives. Lastly, I love Luke 19.10. I'll just quote it to you. It says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his whole purpose. Guess what that story is about? If you turn over there and read the first nine verses, it's about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. Guess what? He got saved. <laughs> and guess what Jesus summed up in Luke 19.10? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Of course, the famous Romans Road, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then, of course, Romans uh, 10.9-13, it just tells us to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. Call upon Him. And then it ends up, Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're dead in Ephesians 2, 1, in trespasses of sin. Romans 5, 12 says, whereby through one man sin entered the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That one man is, of course, Adam. And I do want you to turn in this last one. I've been quoting all these to you basically. But in the book it says, finally, without Christ, the sinner is doomed. And Revelation chapter 20. The Word of God says this. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Who, your name. We were, we were going through a, a little acrostic deal Wednesday night. If uh, you weren't here, you missed out on a little treat. It was uh, pretty cool. But anyway, this, this, we're filling out this form. What are we thankful for? And it said T-H-A-N-K-S-G-I-V-I-N-G. We had an acrostic for every one of those letters. Thanksgiving. And, of course, when we got to the end... I'm thankful for my name being written in heaven. The book of Luke, it says, Rejoice because your name is written there. And if you're saved this morning, you have a name 
in heaven, knowing him as your Savior. As we prepare for a hymn invitation, in just a second we'll sing, but if God is bothering you about something this morning, it's because he either A, he wants you to do something, or he wants you to stop doing something. It's up to you. It's your choice. As we pray, Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be in control. We thank you for the Apostle Paul's example of how his life was changed because you were bothering him to make a decision. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that needs to be saved or needs to make a decision for you, just simply needs to come and pray at the altar and just say, God, I need, to, I need to start living for you today. I've been straddling the fence. I've been trying to blend into the world. Dear Lord, help me to live for you no matter, no matter what the world says. And to live for you and put you first. In Jesus' name, amen.